The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to Intuitive Connection, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, heal your deepest hurts, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello. Today we're going to talk about a very cool and important topic, and that is the interface and how to know the difference between intuition and psychic experience and mental illness. So a lot of times when people start to open up their intuitive knowing, they start to think that perhaps they're going crazy. There's also people who, in the midst of a spiritual awakening, do experience uh, mental health crises, sometimes known as a spiritual crisis. So in today's podcast, we're going to look at sort of the difference between these mental health and emotional issues and intuition, learn how to discern between the two, and also if you're finding yourself in a difficult place emotionally or mentally or mentally emotionally how to get help. So here we go. So I can tell you from my very own experience that as I began to awaken my intuition, I started to have a lot of sort of six sensory experiences that some people might have deemed as a little bit at the very least bizarre. Right? I started hearing my spirit guides. I started to have sensations and beliefs about spiritual beings and uh, being able to communicate with the spirit realm. I started to, well, that's pretty much it for me. <laughs> so a lot of it was communicating with spirit guides and just changing the way that I looked at the world such that some people might have judged it as at least, at the very least, a little bit bizarre. I never personally got to the point where I was hearing voices. So for me, when I experience my intuitive awareness and my uh, clear audience, which is like a voice in your head, that's how it was for me. It was like a voice in my head. Sometimes it would sound almost like a voice in the outside world, but it was very much under my control. I could turn it on and turn it off for the most part. And I could also easily discern it between this sort of intuitive almost imaginary voice and the voice of someone talking to me in the real world. That's not always the case. And some people really do experience their psychic experiences in a way that it's almost hard to discern between a real visual experience or a real auditory experience and a intuitive experience. But for me, it's always been, that distinction's always been pretty clear, or for the most part, it's been pretty clear. So that has been helpful for me, but still, even in my own journey, there were things and times when I did question my own sanity and, and thought to myself, wow, this all feels well and good, but from another perspective, uh, maybe I'm losing it. So what helped me during those times and what may help you as well was checking in with how my life was going. So at that time, I had come from a place of a lot of emotional and mental pain and confusion, but the more I tapped into my intuitive knowing and the more I communicated with my so-called guides and intuitive guidance, and the more I sort of bought into the whole woo-woo worldview, the better my life became. 
And not just on the inside, which is the very most important. I got happier, I got calmer, I got more peaceful, but also on the outside, I experienced more ease. And I was fortunate because many, though not all, but many of the people around me and mostly the ones that mattered most really were able to validate that whatever I was doing was making a huge difference in a positive way. And people said, I don't know what's going on with you, but gosh, I like it. So that was fantastic validation for me. So the first rule that I always use in telling the difference between psychic or intuitive experiences and mental health issues is this. If it is improving the quality of your life, then it is probably your intuition. Another way of saying that is if it is improving the quality of your life in a real and measurable way, then you don't really need to worry about what it is. Just do that. (laughs) So that was the task that I followed. I know that there are some people for who the line is a little bit murkier, and I've had people, and I've known and read about people, but also known people in my very own personal life, that as they started to awaken their intuitive knowing and go through their own spiritual awakening, things were a little funkier. Maybe they started to have visual experiences that they couldn't really explain, and you know, if someone wasn't there to guide them and say, no, you're not having a migraine, no, you're not going crazy, this is, you know, you're starting to see energy, they might not have trusted that, they might have been afraid. Likewise, some people in their spiritual awakening will experience a total meltdown. And sometimes that can come from events in the external world. So, you know, your life itself will guide you towards your awakening by removing things from your life that your ego used to really identify with so that you can strip those things away and start to recognize and tune into who you really are which is never anything in the external world or any identities that we have. None of that is who we really are. If you didn't know that, I'm telling you that or reminding you of that now. So sometimes people have crises or big changes in the external world to help point them back inside to where the real light and the real truth is for their own healing and growth and awakening. And those, friends, are not the funnest ways to awaken, but they're also pretty fantastic when you get through them. Also, sometimes people right, will have accidents or other kinds of crazy things happen to them. And again, at the end of the day, they can see how they got into that mess, but they can also see how that mess was a lifesaver in many ways. But another thing that can happen too is some people will just have a real crumbling of their ego. So maybe everything that mattered to them in their lives up until a certain point made perfect sense. And all of a sudden, it's just not meaningful anymore. And all of a sudden they're really coming to that sort of dark night of the soul, which can be an external process, but it can also be very internal where just nothing has meaning anymore. Nothing makes sense. Nothing is right because you are being called to a higher level of existence. You are being called to live your life from a new set of principles. You are being called to let go of all that, you know, you might have thought was serving you in the past, but no longer, no longer appeals and no longer serves the deeper needs of your soul. And so that's what we would call more of a spiritual crisis where your ego, so to speak, is crumbling to make room for more of your own divine light to shine through. And, you know, we could call that, oftentimes that does present a mental or emotional crisis. And some people find their way into therapy. Some people even may find themselves being on the edge of psychosis in some of those situations where everything is just really falling apart. And, you know, how we support people and how you support yourself through that crisis is really important. And I say this really for anyone at any point, you know, whenever we're experiencing any kind of challenge in our life, either internal or external or both, it's really important that we don't label or judge. It's really important as much as we can that we learn to stay present with ourselves 
have a loving stance to ourselves. And it's also really important that we allow that whatever it's happening is always serving our deeper spiritual needs. So a spiritual crisis is just one example of the ways that our life uses, our spirit rather, uses the experience of life for its own learning and growth and development. And so sometimes what feels really miserable and impossible is actually a doorway to a greater, more meaningful, more beautiful and bright experience and a lifetime in which you can bring more of your true self in here into human form. There are also people who have their intuitive channels open in a way that is not serving them. And this is where I think we can start to talk about more along the lines of mental illness. Because for me, and I don't totally love the word illness anyway, lots of problems with that word and lots of problems with the idea of mental illness to begin with, but I'm going to use that word for today because I want to distinguish situations where that intuitive information or that psychic information or something is just really not working for you and it's taking you away from your awakening rather than towards your awakening. So it is making your life less pleasant, if not just temporarily, maybe over the long haul. And again, every experience in life is here to help us grow and here to help us learn as a spirit But sometimes we get more and more caught up in life, more and more lost in the process of life and further away from our spiritual selves. And, you know, that can be a very uncomfortable and sometimes even unnecessary experience. So there are times when people are very open intuitively and will tap into energies or tap into experiences that aren't serving them. So the same intuitive channels that we might use to connect with our highest guidance can also be used to connect with energies that are not so helpful. Oftentimes, and and this has been my experience, I have not worked a lot in this setting, but I have a little bit, and I know I've read mediums and people that can see spirits who have worked with people that are having psychosis and serious mental health crises will often see that there are energies with which these people are seeing and connecting with. They're just energies that aren't helping. And I don't want to go into too much into dark energies because I am not a fan of any of that kind of talk, but just understand that we are energy beings in an energy world, even when it doesn't feel like it. And there are plenty of energies in non-physical reality that are interfacing with our physical world that may not be serving our direct emotional needs. There's also what Eckhart Tolle might call the pain body. And I just love that term. The idea that the energy of our pains, of our confusions, of our suffering can also take on energies of their own. It can almost turn into sort of an entity in and of itself with which we interact. So people that are very, very tapped into the pain body can start to tap into energies that are really unsettling, really disturbing, and really can take them out from being functional and interfacing in a healthy way with reality. So in these cases, sometimes the trick is to learn, first of all, to agree to disagree with these discordant energies, learning to raise your vibration so that you are not constantly picking up on this stuff, right? And also learning through the muck to turn down the channels that aren't serving you and tune back into the ones that really are. Now, I'm hearing some people ask, and my guide's wanting me to share about sort of the brain and mental illness, and especially when we're talking about things like psychosis. And yes, some brains 
are more wired to become confused about reality. And there are parts of our brains that are more apt to keep us connected to certain aspects of consensual reality, consensual social reality than others. And if those parts of the brain are impaired, we can lose touch with reality and with social reality. And many people with mental illness sometimes do have those kinds of issues going on. So sometimes too, mental illnesses like psychosis are here to serve us. They're here. Our spirit wants us to experience certain things. And so having that illness is part of your life's plan. You're learning from it. You're gaining from it. Maybe there's some karma involved. Not necessarily. Karma doesn't necessarily mean that you did something wrong in the past and you're being punished so much as your spirit has something to learn from taking the perspective of somebody who sees reality in a different way or can't connect with reality in the typical way. So that can happen as well. And again, everything in life is to serve us and there's no one size fits all approach to how you know something is serving each individual soul. If you look at it, it's sort of like the earth school is like a huge cafeteria or not even a cafeteria, a huge grocery store with a bazillion ingredients and each soul and each spirit gets to choose exactly how it wants to use all of those different wonderful ingredients to create their very own special meal. <laughs> And so really, chicken is chicken for sure, but how you're going to use that chicken in your dish is going to be as unique as, as your spirit is, as we are and our needs are. And of course, that can change over time as well. So the litmus test for me in discerning between what's mental illness, and again, using that term very loosely, and what is true psychic experience or intuitive wisdom is if, how it's working for you. So if the experience is bringing you immense internal pain, if it's stopping you from being able to function completely in the world, if it is cutting you off from what you know, you're here to do, then it's clearly more of a problem and more towards the illness realm than something that is enhancing your life as it was for me when I opened my intuition. But again, life is not always so cut and dried. So there are all sorts of different varieties. I've also met many beautiful spiritually aware people that have wonderful spiritual gifts and maybe also have bipolar disorder. And so that's a brain chemistry issue. And probably there's something about that brain chemistry that makes them able to open up to their intuitive knowing, but they also have to be really careful so that they can remain grounded in reality and not go off into that manic state, which can be very destructive for a person on in terms of their daily lives, okay? So there's no one answer here. The other thing I want to talk about is the way in which not necessarily more big, big, huge mental illness-y kinds of things like psychosis, and, and I don't know if I've defined this yet, but the quickest way to talk about psychosis is people that have lost touch with sensual reality. All right, so they are just not sharing in the same idea of real as the rest of us. And again, sometimes that can be really unsettling. And sometimes too, you know, that can allow the spirit to do what the spirit needs to do while in a physical body. Um, but oftentimes it's something that's, that's uncomfortable and unpleasant. But there's other sorts of mental emotional issues as well that arise as a result of our intuition. And I want to make sure I can talk about those as well, because these are the ones that I see mostly as a counselor. And I think that they're really important. And I see them especially a lot in kiddos. When our intuitive channels are too open, when we're picking up a lot of information and we're not really being discerning and maybe we're not conscious of it, when our boundaries, when our energetic boundaries are weak, we can become energetically depleted 
And we can also start to pick up energies and things that are none of our business and can become anxious, can become depressed, can become overwhelmed, uh, can become inattentive. So oftentimes when I work with individuals with issues like depression or issues like anxiety or attention deficit disorder, oftentimes, again, everyone's unique, but oftentimes those people are very intuitive and they just not have not learned how to work their magic yet. They haven't learned how to be discerning about what energies they pick up. They haven't learned to take control of the process and they're picking up a lot of stuff that's weighing them down. Also, sometimes these people are what we call intuitive empaths and empaths are people that, and I've talked about this before, are people that have such awakened and compassionate hearts that they take on the pain of other people as if it's their own. So regular empathy, right? When you sow empathy for someone, you are imagining what their life might be like. You're putting yourself mentally in their shoes and imagining from their perspective what they might be experiencing. When you're experiencing intuitive empathy, it's as if it's happening to you. You're not imagining it, you're feeling it. And you're feeling it often in your own body, in your own space. So empaths can quickly become very confused about what belongs to them and what belongs to other people. Add to that that many people, not all, but many people develop this gift of empathy. And it's it's a gift, but sometimes it doesn't feel so gifty in their childhood when they've had difficult childhood experiences. So they may have had a parent that was abusive or a parent that was an alcoholic or a parent that was unpredictable. And they learned to tap in to the emotional state of said parent or caregiver or sibling or someone else in your life. It doesn't have to be a parent. So they could monitor emotionally how that person was as a a means of self-protection. So when you have that kind of association with your empathy, that can also complicate things because there's a lot of fear involved and you probably are often afraid to disengage because you have learned to do this for your very own survival. And sometimes, by the way, this is yours truly experience. Um, Sometimes these patterns get set up even in like past lifetimes right? Where you learn to do that in a past lifetime and maybe again in this lifetime, maybe not. But so sometimes that empathy is almost like a compulsive thing that you do in order to protect yourself. And so again, in those cases, you have to A, know that you're doing it, B, start to recognize when you're doing it, and then do the healing work you need to do to learn to set safe and appropriate boundaries. So many of the children, especially, and some of the adults that I work with are empaths. And a child may be anxious, but, you know, they're going to school and what's happening is they're picking up everyone else's anxiety or they have social anxiety. I love this one. And they're a teenager where every teenager's inner talk is all about, do I fit in? Am I cool? Am I enough? Are they judging me? Usually other teenagers are actually not thinking so much about each other. They're mostly stuck in their own heads. But if you're an empath, it's like, oh my God, you can drink that up with a sponge and become very overwhelmed by not just the buzz in your own head, but the buzz in everyone else's heads as well. So again, it's about learning that this happens and learning to set appropriate boundaries. And then also, because many empaths are kind, compassionate, and giving souls, learning that is only your job to feel your own feelings and that you're not obligated to take on the pains of other people. And just because you can feel it does not mean that you are obligated to do anything about it. You know, occasionally we get information about how we can be of service to others. And again, I'm all for that. It's what I do for a living. But I also know it's not my job to take on other people's pain. It's not my job to do the work for them. And I always use my intuition to discern how am I being called to serve in a relationship. And sometimes when I use my intuition, it's not what I think. 
So another thing that I sometimes see happening, especially people that are just starting to awaken their intuition, is that they have those channels turned on all the time. And this can sometimes happen too when people are like taking classes and psychic development classes and stuff, but it it also can just be how you're wired. They have their channels turned on all the time. And so it's like as if you are playing your radio to like five stations at once. It would not be very pleasant to listen to. It would just be a bunch of noise. It would be overwhelming. And so that's what can happen too with highly intuitive people, especially when we're just starting to open up these tools, we can become overwhelmed. And some kids, this was my story, come out of the womb like this. I had all of my channels blasting (laughs) full volume for most of my childhood. So it was kind of hard most of the time to hear anything. I just basically felt overwhelmed. So in this case, what it's really important to do is to learn again discernment and how to turn down the channels, how to tune out. There is a famous psychic medium on TV and I love her. Her energy is beautiful. She's such a kind soul. And I know that this is staged in her her uh, show. I'm not going to name names, but you might guess. Her show is all about sort of her life and wandering around her life and giving people spontaneous readings. And it is my hope that she doesn't actually live her life that way because that would be so overwhelming to always be tuning in and looking for spirits that want to communicate with you. It's too much. But she also talks in the show sometimes about her anxiety, and I'm always thinking, and again, I know nothing about her personal life, but I'm always thinking, well, you know, of course, if you're walking around with all channels blasting all the time and no boundaries, that that's what you get. And I mean that in a loving, kind way. She's a lovely energy. But nonetheless, that sometimes happens where we are so open all the time that we are just constantly being bombarded. I remember years ago, I worked in a school. And a little girl came into my office. She had panic attacks. And we've been working on that a little bit. But she came into my office with a full-blown panic attack. And so I asked her, you know, so, you know, when did this start? What kind of triggered it? And she said, I don't know. I was thinking about my uncle that passed away. And then, boom, I just felt completely overwhelmed and anxious. So I talked her through a little visualization to help her get grounded and settle down. But I also recognized that the energy of her uncle was in her space. That spirit was in her space. And sometimes friends, spirits cross over after they die. And sometimes they linger around for a while because they're a little confused. And this one was a little confused. And the confused spirits will often go to mediums or find the people with a lot of energy and a lot of light around them just because that's they're drawn to it. Or because they think that person can help. But this was a, a you know a twelve year old girl in class, so not the, not the time, not the place, and I don't even think she was aware at this point of her psychic gifts. So anyway, you know, I basically just told him to vamoose and said leave her alone and and helped her kind of and and her panic attack immediately abated, immediately abated. And I didn't explain to her what was going on because I was the school counselor, and that certainly would not have been been in my job description at the time. But it's just a really great example because it lets you know of the different ways in which sometimes what looks like mental emotional distress can actually be caused by having unexplained, unaware, and unregulated intuitive gifts. So if this sounds like you, a great thing to do is to learn to discern, learn to notice. Now, of course, too, there are many things in the world to be anxious about. There are many reasons to be sad. It's not all a case of psychic distress. But it can be. It can be. And so it's, it's good to know that these situations sometimes exist. So again, it's important to recognize when we talk about the interface between mental, emotional distress and illness and intuitive health that 
Just because you believe in the woo, just because you believe in spirits, just because you have precognitions, just because you are intuitive does not mean that there's anything wrong with you. And this is actually the one last thing that I'm being guided to share that I almost forgot. And that is that many of us from past lifetimes, so other times when we have uh, lived in physical form, have had experiences, those of us who have walked this talk before may have had experiences where we had intuitive experiences or psychic experiences and shared them and they were not well received. And this isn't happening so much now, I think for most of us, but there were times in the past when we were healers, when we were helpers, and there was a lot of persecution and a lot of misunderstanding. So sometimes too, my friends, that can figure in when we're when we're working on awakening our intuition and make us feel like we are going mad and, and be afraid of it. So I encourage you again to release those fears as much as you can, to know that you're safe, to know that your spirit is just trying to connect to you and that your spirit and your higher self loves you and that your intuitive connection and any psychic gifts that you have are your birthright. I also want to let you know that you are not obligated to do anything that you do not or are not ready to do. Your guidance is patient. Your guidance will always support you. And if it feels otherwise, it's not your highest self. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you gain strength, clarity, and growth from today's episode. For more information and to submit a topic that you'd like to see addressed in a future episode, please visit my website, victoriashawintuitive.com, where you'll find the resources to help you step into your power and awaken your own inner wisdom. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of A Guided Life Podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.